Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. My name is Nick Berlansky. With you, as always, Nick Horwat. It's been a while, Horwat. It's been two weeks since we've sat down to record. It's felt like ages, but the NHL season is over. There's plenty of stuff to talk about. And thankfully, it seems as if the news is going to start coming sooner rather than later. Oh, it should. It should. It has been a while. We've both taken respective a little time off. We've both... uh had things come up and you know what we've all we both watched a decent amount of hockey i'd say mm-hmm. because the series didn't go seven like we all wanted but it went six and it was just as entertaining and yeah in the in my opinion i don't know it's probably the correct opinion for a lot of penguin fans the correct person won the mm-hmm. correct team won i should say and uh the good old colorado avalanche i'm sure we'll get into the congratulations but just the easy storylines out of it for penguins fans Sidney crossy's bff and nathan mckinnon his second and, BFF. ladies and gentlemen, Jack Johnson is a Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I never could have thought the day to say that. Obviously, I would have liked to say it if the Penguins won with him. I mean, it would have been in, in spite of him, but it seemed like he actually played a decent role on that Cup champion team now with the Colorado Avalanche. And if you didn't want to see Tampa Bay win because that would make them a better dynasty or that would validate their their run more than the Pittsburgh Penguins run in 2016-17. We'll discuss that in the second segment of this show. We're going to get to that and talk about the top dynasties of the cap era, but I felt like with two weeks with us gone, we did have an episode in there, so we hope everybody enjoyed that evergreen episode we put together, but in the two weeks that we've been gone, there's a couple of news stories that I wanted to talk to you about because I was sitting there down in Florida. I was like, you know what? This might be a little out of date, but I want to talk about it. And one of them is the fact that news came out. We covered it on Inside the Penguins. Latang is the priority for the Penguins over Evgeny Malkin. I don't remember if we went into it too much. I don't think we're going to go into it for 15 minutes here. But I think that's as it should be, is it not? It should. It should. That's the way it should be in terms of easiness to replace. Mm-hmm. We know that... Um, almost always every summer there are multiple high-level forwards that can easily fill in a spot of Evgeny Malkin. It's very rare you're going to find the guy that can replace what Chris Letang does. That's why I've said for so long now that if we lose Letang, you may as well just rebuild the thing because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to replace what he can bring in the same sort of setup. You're going to have to do something about it. So if you lose Malkin... uh, there's multiple. Uh, we've come up with multiple guys. You could just, boom, refill right away. Yeah. You know, there's swinging for the fences in Goudreau or Forsberg. Now, sure, Goudreau's a winger, but the points kind of get covered, and you figure out a cheaper center to go somewhere. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Things have to happen, but still. Um, or there's a Nazem Kadri if you need to, because well, now that he's a Cup champion, that price may have just gone up a little. Oh yeah. 
but an important piece to that cup run. But you never know what he might want because of, I mean, there's been rumors of salary cap situations and it's skyrocketing in a certain amount of years. Maybe we get, we can get Kadri for a cheaper deal, a smaller uh, uh, bet-on-yourself deal where it, it lines up with that skyrocket, and then he goes and finds big money then. There's going to be a lot of players doing that, apparently, so we'll just have to see. But forwards are easy easier to replace and mm-hmm. find. You don't have to change the system to find a new second-line center or adjust for on the fly, whereas... You're not going to be able to, especially this year, find the Crystal Tang replacement. You yeah. lose him, you I, that's what I'm saying, you've got to rebuild it. I'm not saying start from scratch, but tear pieces down and fill new gaps, find a new system. Here's the thing with the whole Latang over Malkin prioritization thing that I, I thought of immediately, and trust me, I, I said it to myself probably 20 times over so I didn't forget it in the past week when we've been away and haven't talked to each other. The Penguins' best chance to win the Stanley Cup is their next chance. And it's going to be that way until the end of the Crosby era because guess what? Even though he was fantastic last year, Sidney Crosby is going to deteriorate year by year. Not very often do we see things like Chris Letang last season where in his most recent season at the age of 36, he had his best season of his career. That doesn't happen very often, especially when that career is as decorated and as impressive as Sidney Crosby's. He could still be an absolute freak of nature and a monster next season. I wouldn't be surprised in the least. I think we're actually expecting that. But the best chance to win the Stanley Cup for the Penguins is the next chance to win the Stanley Cup, which is next season. And you get that more so by bringing back Chris Letang than you do Evgeny Malkin because Letang is a better player at this stage of his career in the position that he plays than Evgeny Malkin. Malkin is still a point-per-game player, which is very impressive, but at a second-line center role, even though Malkin is fantastic, that top-pairing defenseman that can move the puck, that can play the power play, that can play the penalty kill, that can play 26 minutes a game, we talked back and forth on this episode, on this podcast, I think, believe two weeks ago, that Chris Letang, you don't have to necessarily replace him if he's gone. You can do other things to figure out the defense, but that makes it a lot more work. What you need to do is bring Letang back. It is the quickest path from point A to point B, which is contention for another Stanley Cup. And like I said, best chance is the next chance. And if you're going to go with that theory, which is the correct one, then Chris Letang should be the priority over Malkin. Not that they shouldn't care about Malkin, they should, but prioritizing Letang makes a lot of sense there. It does, it does. And not only that, I mean, Letang has, well, while he's been injured and has had health problems in the past, I think he's really come along in recent years as one of the most... Ah, he still really hasn't as I pull up the games played numbers. This team is a bad and bruised to hell and back every year. It's always the stars. Because I saw a tweet that talked about Malkin not reaching 70 games more than once in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, which is a, a, an incredible stat to think that Malkin's still putting up incredible numbers. But Latang, I mean, for what it's worth in the last 10, in the last, in the same last 10 years, he himself has only done that twice, three mm-hmm. times. So it's not too much better. So you can't bring in the injury thing or consistent play because I was going to while you were doing that talking. But yeah, it's, it really is just a matter of you bring Latang back just because 
then it becomes or who who takes over the role Mm -hmm. that's an impossible question to answer whenever it probably won't come through free agency it's going to have to come from the inside and then rebuild retooling things on the fly there um you want to keep Malkin around, I think, more or less as nostalgia at this point, too. Not nostalgia, but also how good of a player he is. But, I mean, we've seen his play deteriorate over the years, haven't we? It's just a hard uh, question to answer for Malkin. Like, what specifically is he anymore? Yeah, and when you look at it, it I wouldn't know if I would use the word deteriorate. It's weird because he's still at a point per game, yeah. but he's doing it in a different way. You've noticed that, you know, everybody yeah. lauds Sidney Crosby for the way that he tra- changed the way he plays his game to make it more aligned with his age and slowing down a little bit more, and he's done that well. Malkin has fine-tuned his game, maybe not to the level that Crosby did, certainly not in the same fashion that Crosby did, but he still gets his points. Now, a lot of them, power play points, not gonna, not gonna lie about that. Malkin does a lot of his work on the power play, but that shouldn't be too big of a knock for a guy that has the ability that that Evgeny Malkin has and we've seen in certain situations the Detroit game that Sunday matinee game where he went off comes to mind where he had a hat trick I mean this guy is still a a terror in the league and and that brings me to the next piece of news that happened while I was out is Malkin and the Penguins being far away on money but not years they agree on the years, which we all believe to be the three-year contract that aligns with Sidney Crosby's end of his current deal. But the money not aligning is something that, you know, he said all season, money's not an issue, money's not an issue. You wrote a story about Hextall lowballing him on Inside the Penguins. They called his bluff. Certainly money's a bigger issue than nothing. So now it's a matter of where it's at. We don't know where the money's at. We don't know what Malkin wants. We don't know what the Penguins want, except for the the super cheap deal at $5 million per. So where is that money at? How much money are we talking about that the Penguins and Malkin are fighting over right now? And if the Penguins are fighting for a small amount, like let's say it's half a million to a million dollars per year, what's the plan with that million? Because if you're doing it just to get the lowest number possible, sure, that's the art of the deal, But when you're talking about your second-line center and a guy that still produces a point per game, albeit in a limited capacity whenever he only plays 60 games a year, then it's still a question of, well, if you weren't going to do anything with it anyway and having salary cap space for for salary cap space sake, then what are we talking about here? But I would think, and I'm going to ask you the same question, Horwat, the most I would want to see the Pittsburgh Penguins pay Evgeny Malkin is $8 million. And a lot of people will still bite their tongue at that. They'll say, wow, that's a lot. But guess what? $8 million is the most. Should he be signed for less? Yeah, I, I honestly think that for what he does, a $7 million player right now would be a good signing. I think that's a nice pay cut on his t- on his side. I'm sure Penguins fans would love to see him take a $2.5 million pay cut. And realistically, on the Penguin side of things, that gives them some space to move things around while they still get their second-line center back. But... $8 million to me is the most that I would be... I mean, I'd be okay if they went over, but I'd be kind of upset because they would be hamstrung again. But $8 million, I think, is the max that they can really go and be able to still be active in this, this offseason. It is. And you have to assume that's their ceiling for him as well because... So we know he's willing to take a pay cut from 9-5. That is yeah. step one. We are. We know the rumor is they were that him and Latang were both offered five million. Okay, that's the floor. Mm-hmm. So now you know your number's going to fall in there somewhere. 
But if they're still far apart on money, if that's the quote that we're led to believe here, what does that mean? That they offered him six and that's still not enough? Okay, well, now the now the floor is six to nine five. And the, the that space keeps getting smaller and you have to wonder how either A, how are the how is the Penguins brass handling the negotiation, or B, how true how true was Malkin being when he said he's willing to take less money? Don't get me wrong. If the player says he wants less money and then pulls back on that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Go get your money. You you are a former MVP. You are a former Consumite winner. You're a three-time cup champion. Go get your money. Yeah. You, you, I, we all agree. You agree as well. You've already made your money. Sure. Go get more. <laughs> There's you're, you're in a position where you can go make more money, and we as fans and as reporters and whatever cannot fault that. Cannot. We cannot, whenever Max Talbot left to go play in Philly, we could not fault him because he won his cup. What else was he going to do? He was going to make his money. Just the way it is. If you have already won, you can go make your money. It's it's like the live talk. The whole talk of the live championship. Everyone's already won. Now they're going to go get their bag. Good for them. So that that gap, it, it's unclear. I would assume it's around seven or eight as well. Just because... You would you when you hear far apart in money negotiations, what do you think of? Like I don't I don't think of like a million and a million and a half of separation. I'm thinking three. Yeah. Like, what are we really offering him if we are quote far apart in negotiations here? It's difficult. I'd say if he does resign here, it's going to be around seven or eight because he's going to get his way as he should, mm-hmm. and it might hamstring us a little. But for what it's worth, it at least makes it at least makes the team better. And you also have to figure, so another part of this, also Pat McAfee pumping out Penguins content is incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is where this came from. Friedman said that, Elliot Friedman said that uh, Latang and the Penguins are closer and they're still separated by about a million, 1.25 million. So does that mean Malkin's, or does that mean they're further apart by that number? So much goes into this discussion that it's hard to track. Mm-hmm. But at least we know that they are the Penguins are prioritizing Latang, and they're closer by about a million to five. So, where does that leave Malkin now? In a bunch of question marks. Yeah, it, it's a situation where it's going to be fluid. You're going to see little sprinklings of details as we have throughout the past couple of weeks. Maybe a little bit more now that the Stanley Cup Finals are over. But. Right. It's going to be take what you can and try to analyze it and overanalyze it. And that's what we've been doing for the past, what, three weeks since we finally started to get a little bit of news out of the, the, the Penguins camp and out of basically insiders like Elliot Friedman, Pat McAfee, apparently. Uh, oh. But nonetheless, it, it's all you can do right now because there hasn't been any actual real concrete word on where these guys are at as far as the money is concerned. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and we'll have to keep an eye on on, on honestly everything around the league because it's going to start ramping up now that the finals are over. The only other things that really happened, and, and I, I laud you for being able to go through these past couple of weeks because it's been seriously just front office promotions for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm going to run down through these, but there are corresponding stories on Inside the Penguins. So if you want more information, visit InsideThePenguins.com. Check out, I'm pretty sure, hold on, did you write all of these promotion I... stories? I may have. I may have. So ch- just just go to Horwath's author page, and you'll see all of these promotion stories. But I'm going to run through the names and the po- positions and their new positions really quickly before we cut to a break. 
Tom Kostopoulos, longtime Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin, captain of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin, is now the director of player development. Madison Nickel has been promoted to the video coach. Tina Murray, senior vice president of integrated performance. Kevin Acklin was named president of business ops. I believe that was announced on this show two weeks ago was, I believe, when that happened, if I'm not mistaken. Chris Pryor, the right-hand man to Ron Hextall, is officially the right-hand man in the Penguins organization as he is the assistant general manager. Andy Saucier is now the hockey ops analyst. He was the video coach. The Penguins, I believe, if, if I don't double-check it, I will have to, but the Penguins were undefeated on video challenges last year, so Saucier, uh, deservingly so, getting a promotion here. In the last one, Eric Heasley named Wilkes-Barre Scranton general manager. Not much else is going on, just uh, Penguins filling in the gaps in their front office. Hey, hey, filling in gaps, what's fun to me that I've noticed is that we know Fenway Sports Group wants to put in their people. These have all been inside promotions. They have. There's not too many roles to fill for Fenway here. They're all inside promotions, which only leads me to believe Fenway likes what's going on here already. Mm-hmm which is a good sign. I mean, when the offseason first started, there was immediate rumors of Fenway's going to analyze everyone in the organization, from the ice to the front office to the concession stand workers to the to the seat people. I couldn't remember the ushers. So far, there's been nobody new, no outside hires. Mm-hmm. So that means they like what's going on. The rumors of Hextall and Burke being gone sooner rather than later have you know disappeared quickly. Yeah. Considering... You know, Hextall was able to re-sign Brian Rust, and now we're getting negotiation talk rumors out. So, suddenly, we're all hands on deck with what we have. Mm-hmm. And, it, for what it's worth, it's not terrible. We've had a, I think the front office has done a pretty decent job the last few uh, seasons. Yeah. Now, just adding in someone who's willing to force hands and spend money. Mm-hmm. Now, not that the Penguins weren't fans of spending money, but <laughs> we're from Pittsburgh. We've seen teams not spend money. It hurts. Yeah. So now the fact there's an ownership group in there that's going to force some hands and say, hey, here's here's a paycheck. Go spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should make things better for the players on the ice as well. Yeah, and I think the big thing is Fenway Sports Group, when, when they came in, you knew they were going to say, listen, we're going to analyze it, and if it's not a winning culture, we're going to make it a winning culture. Well, here's the thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've had a winning culture for the last 16, 17 seasons. So there's naturally not going to be much you need to change about that. And Fenway has recognized that, and they put them through the test. And guess what? The Penguins came out smelling like roses because all of these, like you mentioned, all of these promotions are coming internally. There's a certain confidence that comes with being properly groomed. There's an aura, a vibe. You can just tell by the way they carry themselves. We call this BGE, Big Groomed Energy. And there's only one way to get that BGE, Manscaped. We'd like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, 
Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold all your goods while traveling. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner you'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ALLSTEALERS. Unlock your big groomed energy with Manscaped. And remember, when you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. But let's move over to another discussion here. Less of a newsy discussion, more of a let's sit back on this Monday morning and have a nice little chat or what. Top dynasties of the cap era. Our buddy, Jacob Puntori, wrote a nice piece about this on Inside the Penguin. So if you want his opinion, if you want his analysis of it, go check it out. But we're going to do that here because last night, the Colorado Avalanche became the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Their first Stanley Cup victory since 2001, and their third in franchise history. I'm not going to include them in this discussion because it's the first thing they've really done in the salary cap era, even though they've been really good for the past five years. But the Lightning, on the other hand, there was talk of this becoming a legacy, a dynasty, winning three straight Stanley Cups, matching the 1980s New York Islanders, they fell short, but where does that put them? And does that keep them above the Penguins? Does it put the Penguins above them? Let's start with this, Horwat. Who do you is the top dynasty of the salary cap era? It's really difficult to say. Because the NHL, apparently, I've overheard, uh, defines a dynasty as three straight. I don't care about the NHL's yeah, <laughs> definition. No. I, I think that's stupid. Meaning, yeah, that's really not smart. It is a matter of consistent success regardless of championships or not, whereas championships do help in that conversation a lot. I think they are the mm-hmm. biggest oh, factor yeah. in it. Um, but they don't have to win three in a row. They don't have to win you know, more than one or in however many in a row. The in a row part is the big part of that because we talk about Chicago winning three and six, three and seven. Three and six. Three and six. But then you take in the Penguins. They won three in nine, whatever yep. it was. You spread those out, and it becomes very interesting. Also, when was when did the salary cap era start? Was that 2005? 2005? Let's say, yeah, I, I, let's go with that. Okay. I don't know officially off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm thinking post-lockout. Ah, fair enough. So, yeah, so since 05, you do have... It's, yeah, you do have the Penguins winning multiple times, the Blackhawks winning multiple times, the Kings, Lightning, and am I missing anyone else for multiples? Nope, nope. that's all the multiple champions. It is. So it, would come, it comes down to those teams first. I think the Kings mm-hmm. you can drop out pretty quickly just because, I mean, yeah. since then, boy, oh boy, it has not been entertaining. Yeah. Um, even... Uh, the Blackhawks, like, they've been a very good team. They've been a very successful team, but, boy, they've been bad recently. And you've added, they've added some darkness to that first one, so it does not help. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do still think they're up there just because it is hard to deny success on ice three times over, no less. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to it, my long-winded answer of saying the top team in this uh, dynasty era, whatever you want, however you're calling it, the biggest dyna- best dynasty since the cap in the cap era, probably falls Chicago, but the Penguins so close behind, just because of that. Oh, I keep forgetting 2009. It gets. It gets interesting because there was just yeah. time in between 09 and, and uh, 16. Mm-hmm. I think just because they did it quicker, it still goes Chicago, but just right at their heels is Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I agree that I agree that Chicago's top because I mean three in six years is very impressive. And then you go back and look at it; is it it did coincide with the LA Kings being that good, mm-hmm. and they're in the same conference. We saw a couple of times Kings versus Blackhawks in the Western Conference Finals. Those were some of the the best series of the early 2010s. And then you think about the fact that who did they lose to in 2011? That Canucks team that went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. It was what the Beast Slayer team, uh, Burroughs, Alex Burroughs. So the Blackhawks were perennially there. And I think that matched with the fact that they won three Stanley Cups, that they were so damn impressive in doing so most of those years. They are the top team because they were able to do it consistently, and then they did fall off at the end. I understand that. But I think I go lightning number two still. Even with that loss last night. Even with the loss this year, because if you look at what they they had this year, they, they lost their entire third line to start the season. Then you lose Braden Point in the first round. That's a that's a very tough thing to go through, especially considering Point came back. Cooper said last night that Braden Point should not have played until September. And he came back and played two games in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is a team that was very, very good, played a lot of really tough competition, won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and then fell two games short here against a team that is prone to going God mode because Colorado was just that good this year. I mean... Kale McCarr is on another level. Nathan McKinnon, same thing. Landis Cog was great. Kadri, phenomenal. I mean, this team was really, really impressive. And they were just the better team. But when I look at the Lightning, it's not just the two cups and this. They lost in the finals another time back in 2015 to the Blackhawks. That was the beginning of this whole run. Then you add on that they were the best regular season team of the salary cap era actually of of a long time, 2018-19, that record year, and then they got swept in the first round, but that's how good that team was that year. And then they lost in the conference finals in 2016-2018. They were right there in Game 7 both of those times. This is a team that has just been there constantly. They didn't get over the hump until 2020, but they have been there constantly throughout the last eight years. It's hard to refute that. And they've been at the top of the mountain too. They haven't been a team that's in the playoffs, not doing anything. In the playoffs, not doing anything. Even their first round loss, their sweep, was very noteworthy because of how damn good they were in the regular season. So I I have the, the Tampa Bay Lightning at number two. I do have the Penguins at number three. There's not that big of a discrepancy between the two. But when I think about the Penguins, yeah, they have more cups. I mean, technically the Lightning... Got that one in 2004, so it's right before this. Yeah. But the Penguins have more cups since the end of the lockout. Three in nine years. But to me, there's a big gap there. There's a lot of first-round disappointments. There's there's times where, listen, even in those first-round disappointments, 
you blew 3-1 series leads, you got swept by the Islanders in a, in a very non-notable season in 2018-19. You lost to the, the Canadians in a play-in round. Like, there's things that, yes, the Penguins are a top dynasty of this, this era, but when I go head-to-head against the Lightning, the Lightning just have the edge in certain areas. Now, Hall of Famers, Penguins, Lightning, I, I think it's very close because I think the Lightning, a lot of players made their, their their case in the last couple of years. But the Penguins, all-timers, Crosby, Malkin, Latang versus Stammer and Hedman and Kucherov, it's, uh, it's splitting atoms. It's literally it's splitting hairs and stuff like that. But when I look at the Penguins, three cups in nine years, the only other thing on their resume is one other conference finals loss, and that was an embarrassing loss to the Boston Bruins. Whereas the Lightning, they got there twice, went seven games twice, lost in the finals twice, and won two cups. They have the pedigree, and they were just there. And their worst loss in the playoffs was following up on the best season that we've ever seen in in color TV, basically. So I have Blackhawks, Lightning, Penguins. I put the Kings at four because they have two Stanley Cups in this era. But I I do give a little love to, to five and six, the Capitals and the Bruins, because they've been there. Yeah. They've been there. I mean, the, they, they each have a Stanley Cup. The Bruins have made it to two? No, made it to three in this era. And the Capitals, how many President's Trophies in a row did they win? How many Metropolitan Division Trophies in a row did they win? They're a very impressive franchise. They don't have the hardware to get up into that top four, that upper echelon. But we do need to respect the fact that the Washington Capitals have been competitive just as long as the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, the Bruins have fallen out every once in a while. Like, here's a down year here, here's a down year here. The Capitals are similar to the Penguins in which the, even their down years, it's playoffs and it's competition. Yeah, for the Capitals in in the last, since the return of the lockout, I don't know how many seasons that is exactly, because I don't want to count that high, but the Capitals have won have won their division. I know they've moved, so I'm just going to say won their division 10 times. 10. That's more than the that's more than the Lightning have. Because the Lightning have only done it I think twice. Yeah. Every because every cup run they've gone on, I guess yeah. Last three those last 3 years and then uh their other chances in the cup final and whatever. Um they weren't first. Winning your division doesn't mean much. Take it from the Penguins last year. But the fact the Capitals have done it 10 times, that's a massive number and more than half mm-hmm. of the time. So we know that they are a good, successful franchise that, sure, might not be able to get it done at the right time, but there's still no denying that they can win. They can win hockey games. As for the yeah. Boston Bruins, another team that can win hockey games, I it, they're down there on that list. Um, for sure. I, that one's definitely hard to say dynasty at all, but it, it is the Boston Bruins. They are a historical franchise that is always still in the hunt and mm-hmm. only missing the playoffs four times in those last 16 years. 17 years? Because I think, that, yeah, because the Penguins were at 16, one more year, 17. So 17 years, only missing four times. Now I get the Penguins are on 16. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have missed six times. If I remember correctly from looking at it, um, these are all good teams. It's hard to make the playoffs sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, half the league gets in, but it's still hard to be in the top half of this league. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it it's it's not an easy thing 
even though, yeah, now half the league makes it into the, the NHL playoffs. But here's the thing. You can make it into the playoffs and, and be a playoff team that just makes it in, say, like the Nashville Predators, who had no business going up against the Avalanche in the first round, especially without UC Soros. But not very often do any of these teams just make the playoffs because they're making the playoffs barely because half the league makes it. They're all second seed in their division, third seed in their division, and even if they're third seed, it's not by much. Like, the Lightning were the third seed in the Atlantic division this year, but not by much. So uh, when when you look at that, then, yeah, the, the top tier to me is probably Penguins, Lightning, and Blackhawks are all in there. But, I mean, obviously in reverse order is what I put them initially. But um, the Kings are not far behind, the Capitals are not far behind, and the Bruins are not far behind either. They just don't have the hardware to, to stock up and stack up against those other teams. They don't. It's hard. The hardware is important. The hardware matters. Mm-hmm. So what would Vegas have to do to make it into the top 10 here? Because they're only, they've only been existent for five years, but they've made a Stanley Cup final. They've they got to win one. They do have to win. You yeah. do have to win one still. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't put them in the top 10. I would say their start is very impressive, but I'm, I mean, the, <laughs> we haven't talked since Bruce Cassidy went there and that's, that's huge. And I don't know. The NHL now is in very speculative period because we have free agency starting in about two weeks. We have the draft in about two and a half weeks. So you're going to start seeing a lot of news. We've said that so many times on the show, but I think I'm just excited to see where the league transforms this summer because it does every year. It transforms players go certain places, big names change hands, coaching staff. We've already seen it. Obviously Tortorella to to Philly, Cassidy to Boston or not Boston to, uh, Vegas and, and Trotz saying, you know what, I'm going to take the year off because I'm already getting paid anyway. I mean, there's already been inklings of change in the National Hockey League. It's only going to get more. It's only going to get more interesting, and I'm very excited for it. And specifically in our little corner uh, of the NHL that we cover here, the Pittsburgh Penguins, we've said it so many times, they're in for a very intriguing offseason. It's been, what, six weeks now? And we've barely made any changes. We've barely seen any moves made. So it's going to get fast and furious. I'm very excited for it. It's coming now. This is where it starts. The, that time between losing in the playoffs or missing the playoffs and the Stanley Cup getting handed out, while news does happen, while big things can happen, it's seldom. Seldom does that happen. So it's look, it's just a quiet period for those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but now for it should be all hell breaking loose for everyone. This, now that the cup's handed out, maybe there's still a few buffer days so we can you know, watch everyone celebrate, have fun, get the parade out. Once the parade's over, here comes the ride, everybody. Strap yeah. in because it's going to be a fun one for all teams involved, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Penguins here. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not just the Penguins here. It is literally all 32 teams in the NHL. Maybe not Seattle. I really don't know what the hell's <laughs> going on in Seattle. I forget Seattle exists, mm-hmm. which sucks, but... Um, yeah, there's going to be names changing everywhere. There's going to be faces getting moved. It's going to be one of the most exciting off seasons, not just in the league, but for Pittsburgh itself. So, whew, let's have fun, shall we? You got you got me thinking now. I'm like, well, what if Johnny Gaudreau goes to Seattle? Seeing him and Matty Beneers play, I don't know. That would be fun to me, but I, I know that's not likely. That's not rumored. That's not anything, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm you know what? They have the cap space to do so. Pull the trigger up there, Francis. 
pull the trigger. Uh, the one thing I do want to mention before we get to our pens poll, which will be the last thing we talk about, the Stanley Cup championship odds for next year are already out because that's how betting works. You know, betting never sleeps. Bone to pick. First, let's see where the Penguins are. They don't have this numbered. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Tenth best odds for the Pittsburgh Penguins tied with the New York Rangers at 20 to 1. So the Penguins still thought to be a top 10 team in the National Hockey League by sportsbooks, and they are given a 20 to 1 shot in the opening lines for the next year's Stanley Cup. Would you lay that money right now? <laughs> Man, I'm so bad at betting. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say no just because I don't. Hey, that's a hard one. Um, 20 to 1. I, I need to see a little bit more. Like, can I see at least what the Latang contract is? Yes. And, and still get that number? Absolutely. Because I, I feel like it would probably go get a little bit better. I mean, you, it's always hard to tell what the sports books are going to do based on player signing. Especially in the NHL, it doesn't really move much from player to player. But uh, I would take a 20 to 1 bet on the Penguins if they bring back Latang and do some other moves that I'd like to see. Absolutely. I'm guessing the top two on that list are going to be. Uh, Colorado, Tampa Bay, respectfully, because the books always, don't they usually just go champions? Nope. Colorado is the top. Colorado is the top at plus 380, which is very, very low odds for futures. Number two is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Eight to one, and then the Lightning at nine to one. That's why I brought this up, because I saw somebody say that. I think Levy said that last night on ESPN. And I was like really what we just but i guess they do have the mvp the guy that won the rocket but if they didn't do it this year what makes you think they're more inclined to do it next year i mean i get that they're not going to be a bad team next year but second best odds to win the stanley cup and i we won't dive too deep into this but i wasn't gonna let an episode go by without mentioning that no absolutely not because how, how so how many teams that lost in the first round i mean the penguins are 10th are below the penguins how many teams that lost in the first round i don't know I where, like, all the teams that lost in the first round where are they in the standings like in that rank like uh, the predators have to be down there well the golden knights are ahead of the penguins what and they the didn't hell? make the playoffs so this is why we don't <laughs> bet everybody this is why we don't gamble if you really want to if you really want to get good value the coyotes are 500 to 1 oh boy which is the lowest odds in the national hockey league as it should be somehow the canadians are higher well the canadians are gonna get the first overall pick canadians were in the stanley cup a year ago i can see why they got a little bit more love there sure more than the coyotes i mean jeez no, yeah, I guess you're right, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying put put the Habs in the top ten. I'm just saying no. they don't need to be the bottom team, even though they were the bottom team this year. Exactly. That's oh, hey, man. The good teams are good. The bad teams are bad. I guess. Um, so with that, let's get to our weekly pens poll because this is one that really showed me. No offense to anybody that voted on this in the way that I'm about to say, but it really showed me that people don't give a crap about production. They just don't like Nazem Kadri. Because the question was, it wasn't even a question, it was a statement. Blank should be the Penguins' second-line center next season. Evgeny Malkin still won the poll at 62%. Overwhelmingly so. Most people said Evgeny Malkin should be their second-line center next season, which makes sense. He's an all-world guy, NHL top 100 guy to us, not to the NHL. 
And realistically, he was over a point a game again. Even if he's not healthy all season, you have to imagine that with a full off season, without having to rehab, he might be able to play a little bit more. Yeah, honestly. 62% said of Genny Malkin. I align with that. I would say of the of the options. Now, there was another option. Nobody picked other, so we're just going to ignore that. But of these three options, I would pick Evgeny Malkin. It is the best option on the board here. Vincent Trocek came in second with 26%. I don't hate Vinny Trocek. No, not at all. But I think it's the fact that people dislike Nazem Kadri and the fact that Vinny Trocek was born within 100 miles of the point of confluence that people really like Trocek over, over Kadri. And I don't understand why maybe you can make the argument that his contract will be lower because it will. Kadri's a Stanley cup champion. He had what 90 some points this year and he's a center. That's very, very good. Been there, done that brings a physical game. So does Trocek. But at the same time, I'm like, how does Kadri still finish below him? I know he's more expensive, but if you're not paying for Malkin, Spend some damn money. So I don't I don't I don't get it. Does everyone just keep looking at playoff suspensions? Because if so, get over it. That's in the past now. I don't think he's considered a repeat offender anymore. <laughs> Wait, we got we're gonna bring up every time we bring up Tom Nelson, we have to bring up the repeat offender thing. Every time we bring up Nelson Kadri, we have to. Because guess what? I don't think he is anymore. I forget what the statute of limitations is on it. In fact, really, if you're a repeat offender, it should always be a repeat offender, but um, oh, no, that's the first time he's done it because he hasn't done it in seven years. Yeah, but Nazem Kadri's a hell of a player. Yes. And is, aside from Malkin, the only correct answer here. We love Vincent Trocek here. He played for the Hornets for a little bit before. I think he went to play in Detroit. I think he did the uh, Little mm-hmm. Caesars thing. So he play, He did play peewee hockey in Pittsburgh, so that counts. I mean, <laughs> but, like, and, and don't get me wrong, I'd like Trocek too. I just don't know how much of a second-line center he is it's hard to put that stat in there whereas Nazem Kadri we know that here he oh yes he is oh yes he is there goes Crosby Kadri Carter <sighs> Carter's still here Bluger Carter Bluger <laughs> but Carter. you know we've, we've talked about that but that's how the rundown goes we know Kadri slides into that second line spot so easy now we bring in a little cup pedigree well, I thought we didn't need it but a little extra cup pedigree if we sign him in Trocek is just signing in someone who plays a physical game who can bang in points and roll from there. I don't know who he plays well with on this team, though. You put Trocek on the second line, I mean, who's he playing with? Zucker? Zucker is basically a carbon copy of of Vinny Trocek. Yeah, do you need two of them on the same line? (laughs) Not really, especially not the second line. Like, if that's your third line, all hell is being broken loose. But if that's your second line... You're going to need somebody on the right side, like a, a Phil Kessel, but there's obviously don't bring back Phil Kessel for that spot because that would be horrendous. But like somebody that can just score at will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, this team drives me crazy. But no, it, it goes Malkin in this situation. And if you can't get Malkin, Nazem Kadri's the easy answer. He's going to be expensive, sure. But I think we've seen him clean up his game. He still throws the body at the right time. He's just smarter about it. I yeah. think, uh, and we know he can play in absolutely timely situations mm-hmm. you know the, the, the st louis situation the, all eyes were on him what did he do performed his butt off mm-hmm. coming down to the cup final suffers an injury comes back lifts the damn thing mm-hmm. that's the player to go with here mm-hmm. so 
I, I agree. I, I think if you can't get Malkin, Kajru would be a nice target to go for. But also, there's going to be a bidding war. Like, th- there is going to be a bidding war on Nazem Kadri. And if you're Ron Hextall, you're probably not getting into a bidding war for a second-line center whenever you have... I mean, if you sign Latang back, your defense is set. You just basically need a backup goaltender, and you need to fill out the rest of your forward lineup. Obviously, if you want to build that around a second-line center, sure. But it doesn't seem to me that Ron Hextall is the type of person that's going to get into a bidding war, which is why I think... Trocek might be more likely to become a Penguin if it's between him and Kadri, but I think the better of the two would be to sign Nazem Kadri. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's all like it is. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of talking in circles today, but also you got to give me some slack. I'm just coming off of like a week and a half, two weeks off. No, you're um, good. <laughs> I'm just trying but, to look for the last second news. Nothing's happening, so. Yeah. Well, listen, come on. The floodgates need to open... I need something to write about. I am going to have an article out later today, but not on anything we've talked about here. But nonetheless, the one last thing I want to mention before we go away. Do you think that last night was the quickest that the Stanley Cup has ever been dented? Yes, because it was on video. (laughs) It was Nico Bakubel, because I had to look it up because I was like, I don't know who 16 is. Oh, it's a forward flyer. Didn't see that one coming. Nico Bakubel comes across. Don't know how to act. Trying to get into the team picture with the cup. When they first initially showed it, I thought he just yeeted it. I thought he threw the cup at Landeskog and it just fell short. But instead, it's more embarrassing than than that. He tripped. You know, professional hockey player tripped. Former flyer. Former flyer. Of course he can't skate. <laughs> wow. Uh, tripped and fell and dented the bottom of the stanley cup if you haven't seen the picture i think i retweeted it on my personal the picture of him falling and the face made by every single caller i don't know if you're looking at it because all i see I'm is looking at your, a different picture. your elbow but the faces made by everybody on the abs it, it's it's priceless it's great i stayed up and watched that entire coverage also kudos to espn there's a lot of things they did wrong leaving the post-game coverage on abc for the duration was a very good move I understand it was a Sunday, probably easier, not much programming to go on Sundays. But they didn't hand it off to ESPN3, to local news. They just stayed with it, and that's one of the things that they got right. I'll put that in the good column on an overall not-so-great re-debut for, for ESPN throughout the season. I will just finish on this note. The Flyers did them a favor taking John Tortorella off their hands. That's that that is that is very true. The Flyers did one good thing, um, and the picture I was looking at is the uh, the classic morning after the party picture was posted with someone in just someone waking up with the cup next to it. It's Eric Johnson. I was looking to see if you could still see the dent in it, because I'm assuming they haven't yeah. gotten it fixed yet. No, th- there's no way they've gotten it fixed. They just said, you know what? Enjoy your night. I'm sure they're probably going to get it fixed up probably the day before the parade. Yeah, which should. Um, so I'm assuming they're getting it fixed up today. Either that or, you know what, leave it for the parade. I, I say leave it. I, I mean, because it's, I just say you leave can, it, let them celebrate with it. Because if you look at that picture you're talking about, there's not a single face in there that went, yo, we need to stop. All the faces no. were, we roll on. Yeah, like we dented the cup before it left the ice. That's like a badge of honor, I would imagine, for those guys. Like, 
Yeah, you could say it's disrespect. It, it is what it is. It is now the Colorado Avalanche's cup. There's been, if you are appalled or offended by this, and I haven't seen anybody that is, so I'm, I'm not sure why I'm even making this caveat. Go back and look at certain stories about what has happened to the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. That thing has been brutalized by every single player that has won it. That's what I was going to say. I keep hearing new stories come out about someone doing this, doing that, doing eating this, or doing that out of the cup. And I'm like, all right, I'm still not surprised. I'm waiting to hear you the know. one where I'm actually like, oh. Because every time something new comes out, it's just a little inkling higher. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not shocking me with anything. Where's the jump? There's, there's not going to be the jump because you know where the jump was back in 1979. That's when the real crazy stuff happened and it was not found out and it never will be, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for coming back after we took a couple weeks off. We will be rolling on with our regularly scheduled programming from here on out. Hopefully we get more news to talk about. Hopefully we get more guests to come on and talk Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's going to do it for this episode. See you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.